Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. And here we go, our cue. We have Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM. 1340 AM, Tim B, and of course Tom Barton, who did a wonderful job in our number one, breaking down the NBA playoffs for you. And Tommy, I should say this before we even get rolling here in hour two, NBA playoffs, I still have not watched one minute of NBA basketball this season, man. I think it's pretty funny, Tim, that we were sitting back and you were saying, you know, I, I'm going to be joining you hour number two. Um I said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk NBA because I knew. I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll cover the NBA. He said, yeah, well, I'm not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, what's funny is that I, I would love to tell you that you missed something. I'd love to sit back and go, Tim, it was a 2-7 series. You missed the greatest Celtics-Nets series of all time. I, I mean, you know, it had its moments. We're going to remember the, the Tatum move, but they swept them out of the building. It was a ho-hum there. They, we're sitting here on a Saturday night, Tim, without a Saturday night after the draft, a Saturday night where there is no NHL games that even matter, and there is zero NBA on. That's what the series wound up being. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I looked at it more as, you know, you know my disenchantment with the NBA over the years, and it got to the point where, I felt like if I started watching the games early, I would have just been hooked back into it. So I did my best to avoid it, and I've done good. It's it's like a habit, right? I've done very good time. I've stayed away, but I have read, and, uh, you know, I, I won't say a minute truly of a game because I see highlights here and there, but I've read a lot, and I keep up with what's going on. And for me, it's, it's, it's almost bittersweet that, you know, you and I are Celtic fans, and, you know, this is one of the better runs the Celtics I think are going to have here. And, and um, I'm not going to enjoy it because even if they made the final time, mean, I refuse to watch it. And I look at it more like that. Am I missing anything? You just said it. Am I really missing anything? I, I'll take away this from the first round of what I have read and seen highlight-wise is that I missed the Celtics do a, a number on the way overrated Nets. And I kind of wanted to watch what became of that Memphis-Minnesota series. because I think that one, by all means, uh, looked like it was the most exciting one. Well, let me tell you, you're not the only one. I shared this on April 15th, right? And uh, this was a poll put out there um, uh, by Morning Consultant, which is a data company, data collection company. Number of U.S. adults who identify as fans of the following sports, right? NFL, 67% of U.S. adults identify a fan of the sport. Major League Baseball, 55%. You know, the dying sport, number two overall. College football, 52%. NBA barely edges out college basketball, 46 to 43. And the NBA is less than 10% difference than the NHL. The NBA is falling massively here, Tim. But you've you've said that for years, though, Tom, and everybody said you were crazy. You've said it for years, and now we have, again, stats to back up that claim. Yeah. Look, there's, there's numbers. There's stats. And, and the, always the argument is, well, you know, they don't include streaming. No, no, no. This includes everything. This is, this is are you a fan? That's all it is. Um, this, this includes everything. It, it is a weird thing with the NBA that when they got to their height, they promoted their stars. We liked Magic and Bird and Jordan and Barkley and Robinson and Duncan. We liked uh, you know, Ewing and Olajuwon, and we love those guys. They're a very unlikable league right now. Their biggest star is LeBron, is the most unlikable athlete out there. I, I mean, he, he he's a moron, which doesn't you know help anything, but he's very unlikable. You got KD. KD, is he a likable guy? I mean, come on. KD is a, a very... A, I don't dislike him, but he's not a likable guy. He's not a guy you want to root for. The super teams, uh, are they likable? No, you root against them. Is Kyrie Irving a likable guy? Is James Harden a likable guy? No. Now you could say Steph is, and I'll go, yeah, absolutely. Steph certainly is a you know a likable uh, figure out there. 
but you start to go, who's likable? I mean, Giannis is likable, but they don't they don't promote him. You know, yeah. Luca. I thought Luca. I like Luca, but he's not a likable guy. Look at his antics that he had the other night. You missed that. He had all kinds of antics on the on the court. So, you know, it went from guys you wanted to kind of hang out with, guys you wanted to go, oh, man, you know what? I want to root for this guy. He's a good guy, likable guy. I like him in this commercial. I'm going to buy a burger. I'm going to buy some sneakers. Not only because he's good, but I kind of like him. I want to root for him. Even when I didn't like him, I didn't like Magic. I, I, I despised him on the court because I was a, a Celtics fan growing up. <laughs> Very likable guy. You know what I mean? I, I, you liked him. You liked Jordan. You liked Ewing. You liked Olajuwon. You liked Carl Malone. You liked Stockton. You liked Barkley. I could go on and on. You know, they, they were likable guys. There's not a lot of likability to the NBA any longer. And I think that's the same for the, the generation of fans that are watching basketball is they're not likable people either, as far as I'm concerned. And here's the perfect uh, reversal, Tom, is that the, the – uh, this same generation of fans I know aren't watching baseball like we are. And, and maybe it's an age thing. You know what, Tom? I, I've never um, shied away from, like, as we get older, you know, we are set in our ways. But, with, like, for baseball, it's just something that, especially with the beginning of the season, and you get a lot of day games during the week. I have a three-seat couch that's right in the middle. You've seen the pictures. It's right in the middle of my living room with my, with my, uh, my, my screen on the wall. And I literally... During the days when there's multiple day games, Tom, like the first week of the season, especially first second week, I literally had to get up. So because I had sat there so long in the seat that my ass had indented into the chair, you know what I mean? That's enjoyable to me. It's not enjoyable anymore to watch the NBA. And I know people out there are like, "You guys are crazy. How can you say that?" It's just not enjoyable anymore, man. Well, and you may you brought up Major League Baseball uh, since I was talking about likability factor. Look, Major League Baseball has a lot of problems. They want to speed up the game. There's not a lot of home runs. It's depressed now. All this stuff. Tim, there's there's certainly no lack of likability, right? Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero, they're all likable. Likable dudes. Clayton Kershaw tonight set the all-time record for Dodger strikeouts. Likable guy. Now, they might not be promoted the right way. I, I completely agree with that. But I, I bring it to, to almost hockey. Yeah, you know, I worked in an industry, as did you. I was a bartender. I worked in catering for a long time in my life. And we used to have celebrity upon celebrity, athlete upon athlete. And I'm going back to when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, 17 years old. Nicest guys in sports, hockey guys, right? Second nicest guys, baseball guys, by far. And I think that eventually it starts to catch up with you. And the likability factor of the NBA used to be high, and it's not. So when you have a game that is now slam dunk or three-point, don't play any defense. The, it basically, the first half of the game doesn't matter. You could even argue the first three quarters of the game almost doesn't matter. Then you take and you go, okay, the likability factor is not there. There's just, there's, like you said, this was supposed to be a really fun first round of the playoffs. You didn't miss much. You missed a cool John Morant move. You missed a Ta- Jason Tatum spin move. Other than that, Nah, there's a reason we're not having any games on on a Saturday night here because there are no Game 7s. And moving forward, there are some subplots that I went over. I'm not sure you're going to miss overly that much in the second round. You might miss a really good Bucks boston series, but outside of that, Heat Sixers shouldn't be that good. I don't think Warriors-Memphis is going to be that good. And I'm trying to convince myself that Luka could do something against the Suns, but that very well could go 4-0. So you may not miss anything as we go into the conference finals. Well, I tell you what, tomorrow night, something that I will be watching, as will you, we will do our NHL playoff preview. And last year, Tom, both you and I, I know we went out on a limb here, right? We, we took the lightning to repeat. But can they three-peat will be the question. Uh, we will talk about the, the loaded East versus the West, which I think is very, very open and winnable versus the uh, the absence of the Vegas Full Knights. We're going to go over all that tomorrow night, Tom, for our NHL preview, and we'll talk some baseball. So I think tomorrow night's show will be a lot of fun. And, you know, the hockey part of it was something that you and I, for, for a while here, you know, we've been on the air together over a decade. Uh, we were absent hockey sometimes. I think there was a lull. It wasn't that we didn't follow it. It was just I, I think the attention of it really wasn't out there. But it's, it's come on a lot here in the last 
five, six years. And, uh, you know, we're, we're those guys. We're the haters, but we kind of tell it like it is. And I think it would be interesting because I want to know tomorrow night who you're picking and you want to know who I'm picking. And I don't think it's the same team that's going to win the Stanley Cup because it's going to be that wide open. I think that this is the best Eastern Conference final matchup that I can remember. I said to you, you, you sent me the matchups the other night, and I said to you, I legitimately think six of the eight teams in the Eastern Conference could win the championship, and I could probably convince myself that a seventh team could get hot. Could I convince myself eight teams? Maybe, if I squint. I mean, that is how good the East is going to be. It is going to be absolutely fantastic in the East. Um, lots of scoring. There's going to be a lot of high lines, lots of scoring. And then you go to the West. You know, Vegas fans, um, everybody's going, well, you know, the playoffs aren't going to be the same without us. The reason why you guys are generally considered the villains around the country is not only because you were handed a championship, not only because the commissioner broke all kinds of rules to give you this, but it's because of that attitude. If you're hockey fans, just be hockey fans, right? Vegas Golden Knights are out of it. Doesn't mean this can't be a really good Western Conference and Stanley Cup chase. Doesn't mean you can't sit back and watch the games. I have a bad feeling, Tim, that with Vegas being out of it, Vegas hockey fans are going to turn that channel off and no one's going to watch. I think the majority, yeah, I agree. I think the majority of Vegas Golden Knights fans won't watch it. You know, the hardcores will, obviously, and you and I don't have a problem with the hardcore Vegas Golden Knights fans because they're hockey fans. We have a problem with the Johnny-come-latelys and the ones that never adjusted now after five years, right? We're talking five years of the franchise that all they know is Vegas Golden Knights, and that's the bottom line, and, you know, that's, that's the, uh, the Bible. It's all about Vegas. What, what is the league going to do? I promise you the league is absolutely fine without Vegas in the tournament, Tom. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and not to be like this, but it's not like Vegas is bringing home championships anyway. No. It, it, if you really want to get down to the, the truth of it, they've their, their best shot. Their best shot at it was the first year. They've regressed since then. Yeah, they weren't getting past the Abs again or or whoever they were. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it didn't matter. And the no. hockey players are going to be great. It's going to be fun. I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up because I'm a hockey fan. That's why I'm pumped up. I'm yeah, pumped up. Good. Not look. I'm a Ranger guy. Okay. If the Rangers get eliminated in the first round, I'm not going to turn off my TV and stop watching. I think it's going to be a great playoff series. I, it doesn't matter if the Rangers are, are in it or not. And I hope that hockey fans of Las Vegas Knights think the same thing. And they go, you know what? I'm going to watch these. I'm going to watch these other teams because I'm now a hockey fan, not just a Vegas Golden Knight fan. Well, tomorrow night on the show, we will break down the tournament for you and we'll go over the Vegas Golden Knights collapse and what we called Tom for, I want to say most of the year, but at least the last two weeks of the season, we, we, we were one of the few. We went by this game by game on the schedule and predicted they wouldn't make the playoffs. And that's exactly what happened. But it goes a little bit deeper into it because of um, some, of the, some of the players and now the Vegas Golden Knight fans, Tommy, calling for somebody's head and what's going to happen here in the offseason. Yeah, and somehow that head is is Robin Leonard. Where, what are you talking about? What like like what kind of moronic idiot puts this entire season on Robin Leonard's head? I mean, come on. You know what that is? That's being manipulated. Like we we talk about fake news and how the media manipulates people. That is the general manager and people that are afraid of their jobs in Vegas. Going, oh, yeah, it's all on the goalie. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, it's, it's all him. You go 57 minutes in basically what's an elimination game against a team that's not going to make the playoffs at home, and you score one goal in 57 minutes. But that's the goalie's fault, Tim. I mean, come on. Hedge got a roll because you need major changes. Robin Leonard didn't make you miss the playoffs this year, guys. You know, was he a contributing factor? Sure, I'll go there. Oh, okay, he's part of the team. Everybody was. It's not Robin Leonard that designed this team as poorly as it did. It's not Robin Leonard that got rid of the better coach that's now coaching the New York Rangers. So tomorrow night, stay tuned for that. Break that down. We'll talk Major League Baseball. 
tonight for the, the rest of this show, Tom. Obviously, we're going to talk NFL draft as it has completed here in Las Vegas. A, an interesting week here, a very interesting week, and I kind of want to break this up in, into two segments, Tommy. I, I want to talk, obviously, about the players and, and the teams and how they did, but I also want to spin it and talk the Vegas atmosphere and, again, how this city has disappointed me in, in not the event itself, but the attitude behind the event, I, I do want to talk about that. But before we do that, Tommy, you were coming here. We had to make a quick change. We're going to adjust that to week one of the NFL season in September, which I think is going to be better for us anyways. So you, my friend, took a trip down the road, and you hit the other Vegas, Atlanta, and watched the draft this weekend. Yeah, I went down there. I wanted to make some, uh, some bets. And in New York, you can't bet on the draft. Now, huh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. I have people I know. Uh, so I did a couple of bets on the draft, but I wanted to go down there and really check it out. I got to tell you, I was uh, I was pretty disappointed. Um, I walked into Caesars Sportsbook. So I, I stay at Bally's, which is connected to Caesars, or I did this time. And uh, I walked through the Caesars Sportsbook. Caesars got a huge sportsbook. And I said, hey, can I have a draft sheet? You know, And I got there the day before, two days before. I said, can I have a draft sheet? They, the guy looks me dead in the eye and goes, draft? I said, yeah, you know, the NFL draft. He goes, yeah, uh, you can't bet on that here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I I walked, you know, if you don't understand the Atlantic City, uh, you know, strip uh, there, the, the, the boardwalk, it's not very far from one casino to the next. So I walked in, in the casino. You could go to the next one. I went to Bally's and yeah, they offered it, you know, here you go. So they offered it, FanDuel offered it, draft. You know, they, they, there was different kind of books and different kind of situations. So I went out there and I made some uh, some pretty good bets. The funny thing is, Tim, it was a unique situation. Nobody cared about the draft. Nobody. Uh, basketball was number one. The NBA playoffs were on. Baseball got a lot of conversation. Baseball was on the main TV. The draft was – I went to three different sports books. The draft was hidden in the corner without the sound on. And you're talking about a place that is Philadelphia Eagle territory, guys. You're talking about a place that the Eagles rule. The Giants are massive. The Jets are pretty big. Even Pittsburgh, you know, some people come, come, come from there. I was sitting in the sports book with a bunch of guys, you know, hanging out, uh, talking about they, they were waiting for the Sixers game. Could care less about what the Eagles did. Now they paid attention. But the draft was lower left-hand corner, not really a big deal. So I called back to New York, and I asked, you know, friend of mine works at Wild Wings and uh, uh, my niece works at Wild Wings and a friend of mine works at another bar. And I called two or three different people. I said, hey, man, what do you guys got? You know, what, what's on the main TV? What, what's going on? Because now I got to ask. No one had the draft. Nobody. Now, the New York Giants had two picks in the top 10. The New York Jets had two picks in the top 10. Nobody added on. It just wasn't a huge deal here, shockingly. Since you said that, we'll spin... We'll spin the Vegas side of it first before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of the draft. It, and I, I said this to you, I want to say, maybe three weeks ago privately. I was like, you know, Tom, I know the draft's coming here in Vegas. Um, I don't really feel the steam behind it, right? I don't really feel like it's... it's I don't feel it's being marketed towards football, I feel it's being marketed towards Vegas. And I'm not sure if that was an NFL thing because they, they just wanted to go with the flow of it or it was something that they just didn't expect to happen here. And as it got closer, you know, they're shutting down the strip for, for a week to, to widen the lane so they can make this grand spectacle of what we saw this, this weekend for the NFL draft. And then it came. And, Tommy, there were a lot of people in town. There's no doubt about it. I think the number was inflated on what they expected to be here. And, obviously, it was much down around that area. But here's my thing on it. You know, and I had to leave town, so I missed after day one. I watched the rest on TV, and I, I saw how it was presented. And for me, um, I don't know, man. It, it just was not a big deal. And, and you're right. And I went to a couple bars to have dinner, you know, sports bars. A couple of them didn't even have it on at all. And the other ones had them on secondary TVs. So other than Las Vegas, and maybe I'm a little bit wrong here, but I think in general I'm correct here, it just wasn't a big deal. And 
here's the thing about it again, Vegas. You guys make me sick sometimes with your social media posts and pictures and everything that, you know, you want to talk about it. It wasn't that big of a deal, and it really didn't move the needle at all, right, Tom? I'm talking about countrywide. It didn't move the needle. I was shocked, Tim. I, I, look, I'm a draft guy, and I tell the story all the time. I, my first assignment in radio, that was solo, was draft. Um, I, I constantly devote time to draft. Every year, me and you go, go I go, Tim, we got to devote, like, three shows to draft. You know, like, all right, Tom. I love the draft. I, I'll sit down. I watch I watched some fifth, sixth round time. I mean, I love to drive. I watched, I'm refreshing my page to find unrestricted free agents. I'm dead serious. This is the stuff that I love. And I was stunned, stunned at the lack of attention the draft got. Now, I thought Vegas was going to be center stage. I thought that they were going to have this big hoopla, this craziness. And leading up to the draft, all I saw was pictures from people's rooms. And here's what it was going to, when you watch it on TV, it, 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 in and out of the breaks, obviously, the Vegas skyline, you can't beat. I mean, that overhead shot, I mean, it was unbelievable. But I heard that these guys were going to be called up on the Bellagio fountain and, like, in, in there. And I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. No, but they put this big tent in it. It looked like they were anywhere else. It didn't look Vegasy. just looked like you know, they were outside. I was hoping for more Vegas stuff. I was hoping for, for it to be a unique background. Every time a guy comes up and he goes, you know, I thought, okay, you know, pick us in. And the, uh, you know, the, the number one pick is Trayvon Walker. Boom! And the fountains go off. Like, that's what I thought. Yeah. And we didn't get any of that. It was visually okay, fine. It was talked about as, okay, it was fine. It, it generally was a fine event. Not anything that I thought Vegas was going to put together. You're right. Vegas was the, the number one story. It wasn't really about the NFL. The draft was kind of ho-hum. I think lack of quarterback attention had a lot to do with it. I don't think that was a Vegas problem. But it was uniquely ho-hum this year, which is a little bit weird. And that's the thing. It was more of, it was more an advertisement for Las Vegas than it was for the NFL and the draft. And the people in this town, geez, Tommy, they make me so mad. I'm talking about the media. I'm not talking about Fairweathers. You know, this is an event. You should go down and be able to walk the strip with your jersey on. I thought that was great. You, you mentioned the the group of guys with all the Fitzpatrick. That's hilarious. That That's what it should well, that be. That's awesome. what the NFL draft should be. Not the fanboy media we have out here and the know-it-alls or the think-the-know-it-alls that want to talk about football and how every pick was a great pick in the draft. That's the problem. And when you build up your city, and I know a lot of it, Tommy, is for, for social media reach and to try to build their profiles. I get all that, man. And it's sad that it has to be that way. Nobody cares at the end of the day. You think people that don't live in Las Vegas really care? They just look at us and they just shake their heads, Tom. And I, you know, and that's the best thing about our dynamic is that you're all the way on the other side of the country and you tell me what everybody says about Las Vegas and how their fans uh, treat respective sports and they don't, they don't respect it. And I look at it more like the more and more I, you tell me about it, the more and more I see it. Because I think I, I don't know if I was just blind to it at first, or maybe as, as I've gotten older, the generation has changed. Like we've talked about that a lot. But really, Vegas lives in a bubble, man. And they've never gotten out of that bubble. And it just gets worse and worse. And everybody looks at us as a joke. So was it a big weekend? Of course. Do, do I think the NFL is happy with it? I don't know. I mean, we won't know for another two or three years because they've already got the next couple of years locked up for where they're going to be but to make it sound like this is they did the vegas did it the best ever i don't really know what you're trying to compare it to i thought last year's in tennessee was good so what are we comparing it to you know we're taking something that used to be done in a ballroom somewhere and now it's this big grandulous uh, spectacle so did we do it well tom i don't know i don't know how to what to compare it to or what to say about it other than uh something had to take center stage because the draft itself wasn't wasn't the center point. So, I, you know, I don't know. For me, it was like this big advertisement for the city of Las Vegas. Well, I, I'm so glad you brought up Nashville, Tim. Um, I think that Vegas saw what Nashville did and saw the country's reaction to Nashville and wanted to replicate that. Nashville did it better than I've ever seen. And, I, you know, I know New York did it very well for years, but like you said, it was in a ballroom. 
Nashville did it better than ever. And Nashville made me sit back and say, man, I want to go to Nashville. Nashville made a lot of the country sit back and go, damn, that's what Nashville is? Oh, man, I want to go there. That's great. They promoted Nashville in such a way that it was spectacular. It was fantastic. You had, you know, the country singers and the bars and the look. And Nashville blew it out of the water. Chicago didn't really do much. And, and who were they? Where were they before that? Philadelphia, was it? You know, eh, okay. I don't even remember where. All right, ho-hum. Vegas was about that. I would say they were better than the we'll never remember where they were from. But I don't they, – they certainly fell very short of Nashville, massively short of Nashville. This isn't a slight to Vegas. But here's the thing. When you promote Nashville, they went all Nashville. They went and said, the Ray, the rest of the country, this is what we are. And people went, oh, my goodness, that's fantastic. This I, I didn't even know that. This is great. We know what Vegas is, you know. And they had Chris Angel hanging from the ceiling. All right. Kind of cool, you know, that, that's kind of cool. And they had different aspects. I love the guys that they brought up to do it. I know you said the you know, the Miz came up and did it. Barry Corbin came up and read one. And, you know, that was always all kind of cool. Who they brought up and Matt Forte. I love that. But that, again, that's an NFL thing. It wasn't really a Vegas thing. Um, should Vegas have gone over the top and had like Wayne Newton announcing one and then, you know, that, you know, Mike Hammer announcing the other one. Right? I mean, honestly, should they have gone over the top and done that? I don't know. But I kind of wanted more of that. For those that don't know, you know, Vegas is is pretty much my second favorite city in the world. From the time I was 20 years old until the time I was about 33 or 34 years old, I had been to Vegas um, what, what would be the grand total of, of – years of my life. I spent three years, three months there. I would come out once a month. I went once a month, Tim, for eight straight years, once a month. And I stayed a week, <laughs> you know? So that's 12 weeks a year for eight. I, I love Vegas, but this didn't represent Vegas the way that I thought it should, because it didn't make me sit back and go, oh my God, I got to get there. Oh my, I, I got to try. Oh, I have to go. And I was with people, like I said, that have never been. And none of them, I asked them, you know, I said, I would do a lot of work in Vegas. I said, oh, man, this is great. I asked them, you know, this is the play. They, do you, no, no, I mean, it looks cool. But I knew that about Vegas. Oh, it looks cool. But yeah, that's about what I expected. Nashville opened people's eyes about what Nashville was. Vegas, I think, did a solid job, a good job, even if you want to say, but not a memory-making job. There's nothing that's going to come from that draft that I go back and I go, oh, I remember. Now, I will tell you, I remember looking down the street at Tennessee and the street in Nashville with all those people and those those parties and going, wow, I had no idea Nashville was like, this is insane. Vegas looked like they, they put it together. They did a nice event. It was a corporate situation, right? And and, and everything was, was fine. They get check marks across the board. But it was a little bit blah, a little bit, okay, are we going to remember that this draft was taking place in, in, in Las Vegas in five, six, seven, ten years from now? Probably not. No. And I get the whole fan experience. I thought that's great. You know, you have the kids out there. All that's wonderful. I, I don't have a problem with that. I would have been just fine, though, Tom, if you would have said, hey, I'm coming to Vegas. Uh, get us some tickets for Allegiant. We're just going to sit in the stands and watch the draft for three days. And they just did everything right there in the Legion Stadium. They had a stage like, you know, and they, the players come up and they do the interviews. I would have been perfectly happy as a fan to sit there with you, Tom, for three days and eat garbage food and drink and watch the draft just like that. So maybe that's why I, I just, because I live here and I know what it's all about and I know it's, it's, um, Pomp and circumstance. That's really what it comes down to. I would have been fine just being a fan and sitting there and watching it that way. And Tim, let, let, let me let me just go over this really quickly because I don't want to seem like a, like we're bashing on Vegas. I think you're going to get a bad reputation here, but of saying that, <laughs> it, it's just it's just unforgettable. Look, it was in New York City forever. Do you remember Tim it being in Chicago? Do you remember Chicago being that 
that, oh my God, I can't remember experience. Do you remember that? No. Okay. They had it two years in a row. I don't either. Do you remember it going to Philadelphia and Miles Garrett being selected number one? I remember him being selected number one. I don't remember it being a big deal, though, no. Right. Do you remember it being at AT AT&T Stadium in Texas? No, I don't, actually. Okay. Do you remember last year it being in Cleveland? I I remember it because I remember the jokes about it being so bad. That's the only reason I remember. Right. But I'm saying visual stuff. Do you attach a player to the? No. But I do remember Nashville. And I do remember Kyler Murray going number one. And I remember a lot about Nashville. So what are we comparing Vegas to here? Nashville knocked it out of the park. Nashville got straight A's. Chicago was a little bit boring. Philadelphia, I didn't even remember. Texas, I didn't even remember. Cleveland is very forgettable. So did Vegas do better than Cleveland, Texas, Philly, and Chicago? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Fine. It's on par with them. They just didn't do Nashville, and Nashville set the mark. Yeah, no, I agree. I think of all those cities, I would say Vegas is definitely number two there. And and maybe I'm just cynical, Tom. Maybe that's just what it is because I live here and I know that, you know, come tomorrow, it's done, or tonight it was done, and then tomorrow they're going to close, clean it up, and then Monday and all week we have to hear all the local hosts talk about what a great thing it was for the city. It's the same thing all the time, man. And the bottom line is that we did have it. It was a big deal. I would have loved to to have uh, to been there for all, th- to be there for all three days, which I wasn't. And, and maybe I would have felt differently about it, Tom. But I think a lot of it, and we'll talk about this after the break. I think a lot of it was a downer for me because of the way the draft was set up, as far as the talent available. And we kind of foresaw that coming, right, Tom? That this wasn't a, a superstar laden draft, so. Something had to take the onus of it, and that was the city of Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that Las Vegas got Delta a pretty pretty bad hand. Can I use that terminology? If they wound up having, you know, picks one and two be between two top quarterbacks, maybe we'd be talking about this very differently. Maybe. When we come back from our timeout, we'll actually look at the, uh, I call it the nuts and bolts of the draft, the winners, the losers, the trades were the trades the winner of the draft we'll talk about all that after this quick one it's e-wave sports here on fox sports radio 98.9 fm 1340 fox sports 1340 hey, this is donnell jefferson tailback ray griffin starting tailback yeah i know that's why they recruited me the two boys that recruited before you are washing cars now you better start strengthening your wrist this guy's kind of funny. Now, back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. 2022 NFL Draft has concluded here in Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports. Each and every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio. And, Tom, you always ask me during the week. Beyond this week, we have the two shows. And I try to... I try to uh, because, you know, with the Vegas Golden Knights, there's a lot of preemptions and then holidays. Well, guess what, Tom? We have a holiday next weekend, so we actually have another weekend off. It's Mother's Day weekend, Tommy, and you have two that you have to take care of next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got a, a big slate of, of uh, Mother's Day stuff going on next week. Uh, it, it's always, you know, you got to take care of them. So anybody out there, you have to take care of uh, your don't forget your mothers, your wives, and be able to figure it out because that's always crazy to me is that, you know, you you have a mother. You got to take care of your mother on Mother's Day. But if you have young kids like I do, now I have a four and an eight-year-old. Well, you got to take care of your wife, too, who is the mother. So it's a, it's a big holiday for the dads out there. Yes, sir. And what's funny is we get our own holiday, but somehow every year, Tom, we end up being on the air. Father's Day. You ever notice that? We're always on the air for Father's Day. Yeah, not only always on the air, Tim. We're, we're usually Father's Day. We get some terrible gifts, don't we? Yeah, Father's <laughs> Day is like, yeah, cool. We're gonna have a barbecue that you're gonna cook. Uh oh, awesome. Right. right? We're we're gonna uh, we're gonna go to a beach. You know, drag the eighteen chairs, the toys, the, the yeah. Or or you get like a tie. 
Oh, that's great. I got a tie. I, you, you know, I don't go into the office anymore. Oh, that's cool. Well, you get a tie. Ah, I'm fit. I'm really pumped up about this tie. <laughs> I, I think it's you're it's 100% correct. Mother's Day, we go out to a nice restaurant, flowers, nice gifts. Father's Day, it's hot dogs on the grill, lugging around the beach furniture. I think maybe this doing the show is like our, our way to cap off. Don't get me wrong. It's always great to be loved, but our, us doing that show on that night is, is almost our relief, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you doing on Father's Day? Uh, I'm probably going to cook all day. I'll work, and then uh, then I'm going to go on the air at night. <laughs> uh, how is that different than any other Sunday? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, this draft. So, again, I, I alluded to it in the previous segment. I, I was like, you know, and you and I kind of forced, again, using the foreshadowing aspect of it, we knew maybe this draft wasn't superstar ready. And, um, Everybody, you know, here's the thing. Everybody loves their drafts, right? Everybody's teams did great. Did they really do great, Tom? Because it's just a bunch of guys that are kind of just the same. So everybody thinks that they improved in, in this aspect of their, their their team. Did You know, we our lines, we got a good lineman there. We got a good safety. We got a good cornerback. Because there wasn't the superstar quarterbacks there. There wasn't the superstar receivers, per se, the guys that stood out for weeks and weeks. We, we saw a massive change in, in who the number one pick was going to be over the last month and a half, you know, and come the end of it, did the trades overshadow the draft itself? Uh, well, just your thoughts overall on the draft and um, just the talent that was given out. You know, when I looked at, not individually, and I didn't get to watch everything, Tommy, so not individually team-wise for me, but just overall depth, I kind of gave this draft like a B, B minus. I thought that, the, you know, the trades absolutely overshadowed everything. The trades were massive. When I was driving home, and, and I'll tell you, I was driving home, you know, the day of the draft. I, I like to leave early in the morning. So I drove home about 2 a.m. And it took me from 2 to 5 a.m. I drove home. Every channel that I was listening to, I'm talking about the trades, not about the draft. Not one person was talking about Kayvon Walker. Not one person, okay? With it, that wasn't the conversation. The conversation was who did the best, who got the best value, why the quarterbacks weren't being drafted, and the big-time trades were the number one story. When they do 2020 updates, it was the trades. It was A.J. Brown. It was Hollywood Brown. It was, oh, my goodness, look at these trades. That's what everything was. Um, I think that there were some teams that certainly did have good drafts according to value. But I, I put up a tweet today, and I was talking about, um, you know, Bill Belichick. And everyone's kind of chuckling about Bill Belichick and what, what draft pick he made. Look, sometimes it's filling a need. We've all played a game, a fantasy game, where you go, you know, I'm going to do this to get that. And sometimes I feel a need. I'm in a long-term dynasty baseball league, Tim. And one of the worst trades in the history of my league was I traded Mike Trout for a closer and Matt Moore years ago when Mike Trout was, was his second year in the league. So forever keeper. But here's the thing, Tim. I needed a fill-in starter, and I needed a closer desperately. I went on to win two championships. I won two championships in that league because I filled a need. I got I, I could get made fun of for the rest of my life for trading away Mike Trout. But I won two championships because I, I filled a need. Well, Bill Belichick moved up to get this guy uh, Cole Strange, guy's a four-year starter, went to a small school, great on the Wonderlick, really good tape, really good size, really good arms. Like, who cares where you had him on your draft board? It's all a matter of, did he make your team better? And I think that he certainly made that team better. Coming out of day one, the Eagles got better. I think Arizona got better, but that doesn't mean that Baltimore and Tennessee lost the, the trades at all. Before we even look at the, the trades and, and, the, and the overall draft, Tommy, you mentioned the whole Belichick strange situation, and the the uh, other side of that story was that the image going around with the Rams front office laughing about where he went because they had him 
situated way lower on their draft board. And that just kind of opened a can of worms on for me, for you, for a lot of people around the country, other than Ram fans who, of course, wanted to defend Sean McVay. And, and here's the thing, Tom. Sean, who are you to criticize Bill Belichick on on anything player personnel-wise? If it wasn't for Aaron Donald, you, would be fi- you wouldn't have a job right now. Let's just put it that way because you wouldn't have won that Super Bowl and you'd be gone. So it, it just kind of struck me as funny that this guy, and maybe it's a Napoleon situation, I don't know, Tommy, but he's become one of the most hated people in the NFL now, hasn't he? Oh, very much so. And, you know, he was going, oh, I got, you know, we scouted him. We, go, we thought we could have got him at 104. Okay, so according to you, you had him at 104. Bill picked him into the 30s. You thought he was a, you know, a, a round three pick. Bill picked him at the end of the first. All right. We've seen this happen before. Remember Logan Mankins? You know, Bill doesn't care. And I'm not saying that. Cole Strange is going to be a great player. Maybe Bill screwed this one up to him. Maybe. But I'm not going to go out there and doubt the evaluation process of Bill Belichick, who has proven time and time again to get steals in the draft. I'm not going to do that. And as a a coach that, oh, by the way, was humiliated in the Super Bowl by Bill, humiliated. You You can never talk about Sean McVay as one of the great coaches in the NFL ever after he was humiliated in the Super Bowl by Bill Belichick. How, how do you do that? I mean, I, it's it's a team need. They felt like they needed that. They, we could all sit back and laugh at you for, you know, not taking a, uh, you know, a linebacker. Uh, why didn't you take that linebacker? Because you missed him and you clearly need that. Oh, but that's not going to make enough attention. So, yeah, I thought that that was a, a, a weird spot. But it really is about need. I mean – you know, certain teams needed certain things. I thought the New York Jets destroyed this draft. This is the best draft I've ever seen from the New York Jets by far. That doesn't mean that all these guys are going to work out. Um, it doesn't mean that the Jets are going to be looking back in five, six years and say that revolutionized our entire you know franchise. But the Jets value-wise crushed it. The Chicago Bears, which I'm a fan of, I thought they did terrible. I, I, I didn't like anything they did. The Steelers, I think the Steelers did a great job. Steelers got George Pickens in the second round, who was generally considered a first-round pick, to go with Kenny Pickett. Look at the offense that they're creating with Harris and Faramuth and Pickens, and you still have Deontay Johnson. And look at the offense they're putting together under people's noses. What about the Jaguars? No one's going to talk about this, Tim. Luke Fortner and Chad Mumma in the second round by the Jaguars, two of the biggest steals in the draft. No one's going to talk about that. So the draft gets into a position where we almost listen way too much to the Mel Kuypers. And there's no offense to him, but the, the draft experts out there, we listen to them. We watch the draft go completely different. And then we all go, ha, ha, ha. You know, the teams that spent massive millions of dollars scouting have a scouting department determined to just do this for a living watched endless tape, talked to coaches, talked to players, did every kind of evaluation. They're wrong, but the guy that's telling me on my TV that he evaluated differently is right. And all of a sudden, the public all jumps onto that. It's kind of silly when you really think about it. You brought up Kenny Pickett. He was the only quarterback taken around in in the round to, to the Steelers, like you said. And I think we all knew he was he was destined to be around one pick, but nobody else goes on. And we saw that kind of separate itself here in the last few weeks as well. Just your thoughts overall on where the quarterbacks went with day two guys. Yeah, I thought I thought Pickett was a good pick. I like that he stayed at home with Pittsburgh. I like that he's in a run first offense, but has weapons. And what if you have a quarterback that you're not really sure is ready, what do you want? You want a huge tight end? Check. You want a running game? Check. You want an offensive line, which Pittsburgh kind of doesn't have, but he's got all the other intangibles. Now, I've watched, and I am in no way comparing Pickett to, to Josh Allen. Please stop that right now. I'm not doing that. But I watched Josh Allen come in and struggle year one. Year two, they went out and they said, we're just going to do nothing but get you offensive line. And they went out and they spent on three offensive linemen and corrected that. Year three, they go, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go get you Stephon Diggs and go get you wide receivers. And now Josh Allen developed. It's not throw a guy in and have immediate success. 
but I like where he landed. To me, a quarterback success is 50% of what can you do and 50% where do you land. Patrick Mahomes would not be a half a billionaire right now if he landed with anybody else than Andy Reid on a playoff team that Alex Smith had going winning playoff games, right? He walked into the perfect situation. Some guys walk onto a team in a beautiful spot. Kenny Pickett who just walked into a team in a beautiful spot. Big-time running game, big-time tight end, lots of receiver help. You get him an offensive line in the next two or three years, he's going to be a player. I know Mitchell's there, Tommy, but is Kenny Pickett day one starter? No, I don't think he is. No, I, I don't. I think that they are – I think they're going to Mitch Trubinsky, Mitch Trubinsky. <laughs> you know, I, I do. Remember Mitch Trubinsky came in. He wasn't going to be the starter, and he kind of took over halfway through the year, right? Um, um, maybe an Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubinsky, if you want to say that, of last year's Chicago's Bears. I mean, I don't think so. I think that Pickett is a guy that – you go, you know, Trubinsky's our guy. Let's see how many he can win. I like Kenny Pickett, but Pickett's more of a, hey, you're probably not going to sit the full year, but we're certainly not going to start you in the first two months of the season or so. And Pickett may not see a snap this year if Trubinsky plays well, and that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. I always go with the notion that quarterbacks can sit for a full year and be perfectly fine. Tomorrow, Tom, we can deep dive into a little more of team the team-by-team situation. I, I really want to hear your thoughts on the Raiders draft because everybody here seems to think it was a wonderful thing. But I did want to, in the last few minutes, touch on the two trades, Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals, cost them a first, and, and A.J. Brown to the Eagles. Is this a thing where Tennessee and Baltimore basically are like, look, you, you think you're worth so much, we're not going to pay you for that. So we're going to get the value we can get for you now. Yeah, I do. And I also think that wide receivers nowadays, Tim, um, they're just valued vastly differently by different organizations. You know, I've said it time and time again. No team is a wide receiver away from a a Super Bowl. No team. Um, But they're very nice to have kind of thing. When Vegas picked up Devontae Adams, I said the same thing. I said, "Eh, it's a nice pick, but does it make them a Super Bowl team? No. No, it doesn't. Um, I think that this is a good play, a good pick. I believe that Philly got much, much, much better. I think Philly now is the probably the number one um, situation uh, when we're talking about, okay, this is the team to to win that East. Uh, Yeah, I think so. But did he make them a Super Bowl contender? No. Philly thinks that maybe they did. Tennessee is going, you know what? We're a run-first team. We're a defense-first team. That's what we do. We don't need A.J. Brown and pay him $100 million where we could turn around, get his younger version of himself, which they wound up going out there and and doing, and we'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that's not a problem at all, Tim. I I like the move for Philly. I think that wide receiving core is deadly right now. But, again – going to come down to, to the quarterback and it's going to come down to whether they can run the ball as far as the other side of it I, I don't you know I don't get the move necessarily for, for Arizona other than the relationship there because me being a Ravens fan Tom I've watched Hollywood Brown and yes if he beats the secondary you're not catching him but if it comes to needing a big catch sometimes he's not that guy he drops a lot of balls and uh, to get a first round pick for a wide receiver, I love it, man. I loved it. And we got it. We got probably the guy we took, the center from Iowa, is probably going to be a starter in the NFL for, for a while now. And I think it was just a good move and it had to be done. Tim, the center, I'm sure you heard this on, on the broadcast, but it's something I talk about all the time. The center success rate for, uh, you know, centers that are in the NFL, um, 100%, if you take a center in the first round in the last 12 years, that they get a second contract with that team. I I, I love the guy. I, I absolutely do. I think that that's one of the best picks of the draft. I am ecstatic if I'm a Ravens fan with that pick. Uh, I got to ask you, though, we had two punters go in the fourth round, Tim. Two kickers go in the fourth round. Your team grabbed one. What yep. the hell was that? 
I don't know. You know, I know, and Sam Cooke, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. So it kind of was a head scratcher to me. But I, overall, they did so well, I felt, in the draft. And maybe it was just something that they gambled on. He wasn't even, and for me, those two guys weren't even the best punters, right? It wasn't the best punter, San Diego State. He didn't go until later in the, to Buffalo. Yeah, true, true. Um, you Malik think, Willis to the Titans. He's next up after Tannehill. Matt Corral to the Panthers. I think Corral gets starts this year, Tim. Not going to be Darnold, right? So <laughs> who is it going to be? Yep, exactly. I think he gets starts. What was the was the was the Brown trade Arizona's way of trying to keep Kyler Murray? Absolutely. You know, there there's a divorce. And, or a breakup, and after the breakup, you got to come back and you got to bring flowers. Right? You got to say you're sorry and bring flowers. They spent all weekend together the week, the past weekend, by the way, the, the weekend before that. They spent all weekend together at Oklahoma. We should have seen the writing on the wall. I think that this is Arizona bringing flowers and just saying, Kyler, we're sorry, man. You know, we're, we're, we apologize. Come and take us back. Tomorrow night on Heat Wave Sports. More NFL draft talk, NHL playoff preview, Major League Baseball. Tom, we're going to do it 10 to midnight tomorrow. Let everybody know about all the things Tom Barton does well. Yeah, TomBartonSports.com, guys. I talked about the numbers at the top of the show. Jump on board, TomBartonSports.com. Go check me out all on YouTube. It's Tom Barton Sports. Believe in betting. Also, go check out tomorrow morning on Sports Garden Network. I'm going to have Chris Wynn on, jumping on for about 10 minutes with me, and I have a big two-hour show over on that Wanna Bet Weekend Edition. All right, Tommy, we'll talk tomorrow night, my man. All right, have a good one. Thanks a lot. For Tom Barton, for Ari Platinum, doing what he does best there at the Lotus Broadcast Studio, this is Tim Ungles. We have a great sports night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.